Welcome to the Progress Your Health podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Uh, so this morning, uh, we're just going to kind of, sort of a question, um, but this was not actually one that someone answered on the website or wrote in to us. This was actually from a patient that I recently saw. Uh, she's 46, uh, you know, which is kind of a, I'm sure you would agree, is kind of like a very common age for, you know, for our new patients. And uh, she's, you know, kind of miserable at the moment, uh, you know, has a lot going on uh, and just does not feel very good. And she actually asked me the question, uh, you know, because she hears horror stories about menopause, um, but she's feeling pretty rotten right now. So she asked the question, which is worse, perimenopause or menopause? Uh, so I thought that was like a, you know, a very nice way for us to, uh, you know, do, a, do an episode around that. Exactly, because we see this all the time, you know, a lot of menopausal females, perimenopause, and sometimes we kind of overlook a little bit of the differences between the two and how people feel, because, you know, everyone's different. Yeah, now, honestly, this is the reason why we're doing the podcast in the first place, because when it comes to some of these female hormone issues in general, whether it's PMS, PCOS, um, perimenopause, menopause, the, the conventional uh, treatments and approach is just not very good. Uh, women are kind of... Uh, left to their own devices, they're not really given a lot of options, uh, and you know we've kind of we've kind of figured that out over the years, right? Uh, you know uh, that um, there's this big gap in um, you know the the problems that women are experiencing. Now, before it used to be just well, that's just aging, and you just have to deal with it. And I, I don't think that's really acceptable, really, in the 21st century. I think some people still still hear that, you know, just it's okay. That's just getting older. Well, yeah, that's easy. That's easy for the practitioner to say when they're not the ones dealing with it, mm-hmm. right? You know, but a busy a busy woman, uh, you know, that's got kids and a job and a family and is running the household, all those things. I mean, she can't afford to have uh, her body not cooperate the way she wants it to. Uh, and, you know, perimenopause, it's a little bit, it's, there's a lot of similarities, but it's a little different for every woman. Uh, and, you know, again, when it comes for, uh, for them getting some kind of relief, uh, you know, the options are pretty limited. And perimenopause can span from your late 30s to your early 50s, and then you got menopause from your early 50s beyond. I mean, and every, and some people it lasts short, short amount of time and other women, it lasts, a, you know, years. So that's a long time for somebody to have to not feel well or just feel like they just have to put up with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I mean that you know, like you figure from the beginning of that, uh, let's say 40, right. Let's just say 40 is mm-hmm. the beginning. Uh, and then 50, 51, you start menopause. There's a decade already right there. Plus, uh, you know, menopause into postmenopause, you're looking at probably another five plus years there. That is anywhere close to a 15 to 20 year stretch of a woman's life. Uh, you know, when really life should be really good and things are, should be fantastic. And, uh, you know, the kids are, you know, the kids are grown and out of the house and women are just miserable. Uh, so again, the question uh, from your patient experience, if you had to answer that question, which is worse, uh, would you say, would, would, what would you say? I would say it's such, I mean, it's not a really a simple answer. 
like I said, everyone's different, but I would say menopause in some ways is obvious, right? There's some real main symptoms with hot flashes, night sweats, and then you stop your period if you have a uterus. But perimenopause, I think, is a little bit elusive and a little bit kind of like that people don't realize that I don't have to feel this way or is this really my new normal? So, you know, a lot of people with perimenopause, it's like they don't feel great, but they still just sort of trudge through it as, you know, hey, this is life or chalk it up to stress or aging or not sleeping enough. With But at the same time, I feel like perimenopause in some ways can be worse because it's like a lot of women are just like, they don't want to complain. They don't want to be the complainers. Um, they don't want to say they don't feel well. They don't want to say, well, I don't understand why I can't lose weight or why I'm gaining weight or why I feel this way. A lot of times they just are quiet about it. Well, yeah. And I also think too, uh, like you said, menopause, uh, in some ways they're both, they're both, you know, some women have a really tough go of things in both instances, perimenopause and menopause. I would say though, that there's a few more treatment options for the menopausal women um, than there is for the perimenopausal, which is why we're kind of focusing on the perimenopausal because, as you just said, that's kind of more of the trickier one. And uh, the options that they have available are uh, much more limited. Uh, you know, so I would say just from that standpoint, to get, you know, giving women some relief, I, I would say, peri- you know, and I'm a man, so I really don't know anything, right? So uh, take what I say with a grain of salt, but I would say from that standpoint that perimenopause would be a little bit more of a transition. A woman's body is working just fine. They're, you know, uh, they're, you know, doing all the things they have to do. And, and believe me, the patients that we see, they're doing a million things on a daily basis, which in some ways is kind of adding to their, uh, to their symptom picture. And then all of a sudden, it's almost like overnight, their bodies just stop cooperating, uh, you know, and, uh, and it, it, maybe it's, maybe it's the surprise of that. They're expecting all of that stuff to happen in menopause, but it happens maybe five or six years early and they don't know what it is. And even their practitioner, they go see their doctor, their gynecologist, their GP, whatever, they don't even know what it is necessarily. Uh, so, you know, if I had to pick one and just some of the feedback we get, uh, I, you know, I would say that uh, perimenopause is probably a little bit more, uh, uh, one more challenging to deal with and, you know, uh, can be a little bit more, at least in the beginning of it, um, uh, a little bit more debilitating. You're right. There's not really a lot of treatment options and it's not a disease. Menopause isn't a, a disease. These are all just changes as we go through our lifetime. But I do think that those hormonal and sh- um, hormonal changes can really impact how someone's feeling. Like Like you were saying, you know, 40 years old, when you look at the treatment options, someone comes into their physician, their gynecologist, you know, their primary care, and they say, you know, I'm not sleeping, I'm really irritable, I'm breaking out, my hair's doing funny things, my hair has changed, because you will see a lot of hair changes and hormonal changes. You know, I, I put on 15 pounds over, yeah, do you hear that? <laughs> That's our little buddy, our little chewing on his elk, what is that, his little elk thing? Yeah, his elk antler, yeah, <laughs> yeah, antler. Our, our, our little co-host down there, his... So. Sorry for the interruption, but he sure is adorable. It happens every time. Like I was saying, you know, they see their practitioner. They're saying, I don't feel well. I'm having night sweats. My periods are all over the board. Um, My libido ran out the door. I gained 15 pounds, which feels like it happened overnight, even though I'm exercising and eating well. It's, you know, it's, um, and then, you know, what does a practitioner do? And I understand it's not a disease. Um, 
you know, they, it's either, and the last thing you want to do is put a, you know, a, a female in their forties on birth control pills. And then, you know, there's antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications and sleeping pills. And the last thing you want to do is get medicated like that. Yeah, right. And honestly, you know, I know that antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications are usually the, the first or the birth control pills are really the only options that are available. Uh, and I think all of them in some ways have some potential downside to them. Uh, I mean, in certain situations or circumstances, oh my gosh, they can, you know, turn someone's life around, you know, antidepressants and whatnot. But I don't think that's something, you know, when someone's coming to you saying, you know, my periods are, you know, I have two periods in a month and they're really heavy. And all of a sudden I have fibroids. Where'd those come from? And I'm not sleeping at night and I'm kind of grumpy with my husband. (laughs) Don't even (laughs) wink at me. (laughs) Yes, I am in my 40s. (laughs) Uh, I'm living the perimenopausal nightmare myself. <laughs> the perimenopausal dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's all it's all good. From some of the things I hear, uh, and uh, we just got a comment the other day uh, from someone on the website, and it wasn't really a question per se, but someone said perimenopause is hell, <laughs> and it was really dramatic. But at the same but time, it it's like you know, yeah, right. I mean, it was, uh, and she was even saying how bad she feels for her family. You know, her husband and her kids, and you know, one minute she's happy, and the next minute she's pissed and the next minute she's crying and it's all over the place and no one knows uh you know really what's going on i was actually doing a bit of research for before we started recording this episode uh looking up you know just some keywords and different things uh and i found one it said perimenopausal guide for husbands oh. uh, or, or perimenopausal resources for husbands or something like that and i'm like yeah you know they you know they have no idea you know it can be a little bit of a hurricane sometimes you don't understand what's going on but this is also and we had an episode a long time ago it's like how hormones affect behavior uh and this is uh, if men went through perimenopause and menopause, granted, men's testosterone's decline, so they have their own andropause, whatever else. But if men went through these same kind of transitions, there'd be a hundred treatment options, uh, you know, to be able to address these kinds of things. But because it's a woman and it's you know, it's uh, not really a disease. There's not even a, in the, the, I know you, you and I've talked about this. There's not even insurance billing code for perimenopause. Either you have P, a PMS or menopause, and then there's really nothing in between. There's like endocrine hormonal imbalance, I think, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that you just, can use. But <laughs> You know, the whole system is kind of skewed away from dealing with, uh, and now granted, perimenopause, like you said, is not a disease. Menopause is not a mm-hmm. disease, but it, they're both kind of a collection of symptoms that are very, know, very, uh, common from woman to woman. Uh, you know, so, um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I see, you know, I I see things online. I hear some comments from patients and it seems like to me anyways, that the perimenopause is a little bit more tougher to deal with. I, I agree. And even with menopause, like I said, it's pretty obvious they're having the night sweats, having the hot flashes. Um, you know, there, there are no more periods. So, and then when you tell somebody, well, you know, Um, I'm going through menopause or she's going through menopause or, you know, my mom went through menopause. They, uh, people seem to understand that and they're like, oh yeah, you know, they understand what that is. But when someone says, well, I'm having a tough time because I'm going through perimenopause. A lot of people don't really know what that means. And then they're like, well, you know, no, don't give me any excuses. You're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. You just, you know, just suck it up. You'll be, you'll be okay. This is what every woman goes through. Uh, Now I will say stress level and, you know, women are, are doing a lot these days, right? They're and women have always done a lot, but they're still doing a lot. They're taking care of the kids. They're working full time. They're, uh, you know, they're 
the, the, the to-do list that I hear women have to do on a daily basis. It makes me tired just listening to what they have to do, right? You know, then they can't sleep and then they're, you know, they're just kind of running themselves ragged. They're taking care of everybody else in the family, uh, but there's no one there to take care of them. They have no time to decompress. They have no time to relax. Uh, it's just this constant, you know, uh, go, go, go all the time. And that level of stress, uh, I think over time is what exacerbates this perimenopausal transition. Uh, if that's, uh, let's say normal, and I don't think anybody necessarily, especially with all the pandemic stuff, I don't think anybody has quote unquote normal stress. I, I will say though, and maybe if you notice this too, that during the pandemic, when people were kind of locked down, that, uh, some people's stress actually went down because of the lockdown and some of their symptoms actually got better. I, I agree. Working from home, I noticed a lot of um, my female patients seem to do really well with that. And, and then, I, uh, you know, then my, you know, some male patients are like, they can't stand all the, the different, you know, I think as females, we can definitely micromanage a lot more than men can. And I, I hate to be stereotypical right there, but I, I did, you know, I did notice a lot of females were like, yeah, working from home, I felt more efficient. I could, you know, get things done. I can work when I want to work. And then of course the kids are at home because where we were at, you know, none of the kids were in school. So, you know, they got to help them with their homeschooling or their computer school. So it's been, it's been really, really interesting actually. But, but like you said, I have to say, you're right during, you know, during your forties, there's a lot of stress, you know, your kids might be teenagers. They probably have a little more autonomy than when they were little. Um, you're working, you know, you're, you're balancing, but it's like that chicken and the egg. Cause when those hormones change in perimenopause, cause they do certainly change. They don't go, they don't get extinguished like they are in menopause, but the hormonal balance does change that it can create probably, you know, one of the biggest things of course, is that irritability, but also sleeplessness. So you think about if, you know, a human being, you know, sleeping for a couple hours and then waking up all night or either being up for, you know, two hours plus, and then waking up all night. So maybe at the you know, in the morning, they've had maybe four-ish hours. I mean, that's going to make people feel more stressed, more tired, more forgetful. So it's like this sort of domino effect, I think, that can happen just from those hormones changing. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and that's one thing that we always try to pay a lot of attention to, which is not always easy, right? That insomnia, whether it's falling asleep or staying asleep, uh, you know, that's a, you know, that's kind of a, you know, a challenging uh, thing once in a while, you know, uh, uh, you know, quite often, actually. Um, but it's also, as you just said, it's like the most most important thing because if you got all these things to do on a daily basis and you have all this uh, psychological stress and pressure you need to be able to rest and recuperate to be able to get back up and do that again your circadian rhythm needs to be in kind of good working order uh, but then you know like you say that insomnia could literally last some women a decade or more yeah so uh, like I was saying you know that chicken and the egg you had said you know stress is going to make perimenopause worse yeah of course you know it is and but even when stress isn't there it can still be bad because, you know, they're not sleeping, they're feeling forgetful, they're tired, they, you know, they're hungry, they're, you know, mentally tired, then they're trying to exercise to offset the weight that came on. So I, you know, you were saying, you know, stress can make perimenopause. I think in some ways, perimenopause makes stress. Uh, well, I, I think you're right. I think there's a, you know, a chicken before the egg or the cart before the horse, right? Yeah. I think you could say that in both directions. Mm -hmm. One exacerbates the other. Or uh, vice versa. Or vice versa, for sure. Uh, but just from a, you know, from a 21st century, we live complicated lives. And usually when there's, uh, when, there, when there's lots of stress going on, it seems like those symptoms are kind of magnified. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, like I said, when you are not sleeping and you're irritable and you're having all these emotional changes and physical changes, 
that just adds to the stress because there's so many things you have to have, you know, have to get done on a daily basis. It's, you know, it's a pretty challenging thing. Uh, now menopause, you know, kind of switching gears a little bit, uh, you know, from, from our patients, uh, you're not quite there yet in menopause, um, but we've heard just as many horror stories in menopause as well, you know, but some of the, some of the symptoms that women experience are just slightly different, right? They're not exactly the same, still sleepless I- issues, but in perimenopause, like you said, it's more not being able to stay asleep where in menopause, you just can't fall asleep, right? So it completely ch- uh, changes over the, almost like overnight, the minute their period stops and their sleep, uh, their sleep quality or their sleep uh, schedule completely is different. Yeah, you can definitely see it. Um, differences between the two in terms of symptoms. I have had a lot of women tell me though that they thought they were in, they're like, I'm in menopause. My doctor says I'm in menopause. I'm in menopause. And I'm like, you are not in menopause. You're in perimenopause. Yeah. So you're, there's definitely a little bit of a, a gray area between the two that I think sometimes gets confused. So women don't know where they are. Am I menopause? Am I perimenopause? But I think it's only because a lot of people don't really um, think about perimenopause or really look into the hormonal imbalance between that and menopause. It's just, they just throw it under the big umbrella. Hey, it's all menopause. Yeah. Right. And even menopause, like, uh, you know, I know that you, uh, uh, talk about FSH a lot, or we've talked about it before. Follicle uh, stimulating hormone. Yeah, yeah. In your new book, uh, there's a whole section in there about FSH, and that's really the tool or the 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 objective value that you use to kind of determine where a woman is. Sort of, because sort of. Yeah, sort of. the reference ranges for a typical FSH, according to you know your lab, is humongous that a lot of perimenopausal females get lumped into menopause because of the FSH. So yeah, I go into that explanation a little bit, but if you do have a uterus and you're having a period, you're not in menopause. <laughs> and we're going to do another episode about specifically about FSH uh, and kind of, uh, you know, kind of breaking that down a little bit. Uh, and so when you have your, when you go to your gynecologist or your, your GP and you get your labs done uh, for yourself, you can kind of tell where you are based on your FSH level uh, because it is a, you know, it is a fairly good, good determining factor. Now, again, if a woman's got an FSH of a hundred, you know, then that's, uh, you know, fair to say that she's probably either in menopause or approaching menopause, her period has probably uh, stopped six months to a year before. Um, but in perimenopause, that's where it can be a little bit more of a gray area. And there's not really a, a, a firm uh, criteria to diagnose perimenopause. Like you said, that's why women get lumped into the menopause category all the time, because I don't think there's any agreement or you can't look it up in a, you know, in a textbook or a, you know, anything like that to say, okay, what are the diagnostic criteria for, for perimenopause? There isn't really one, uh, you know, so... We're going to definitely, uh, one of our future episodes coming up here shortly is we're going to kind of dive into that and, and, and actually, uh, you know, uh, you know, talk about how, how you would actually diagnose perimenopause. Yeah. And we have that a little bit in the book too. So just cause really we want to give you tools so that we can, you know, educate. That's our big thing. We want to educate. So you understand. And then once you understand, then you can decide, okay, well, what direction do I want to go with this? You know, do I want to take some of these medications or maybe I don't, I want to do something different. So that way, you know, you have the tools and the understanding. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, what else do we want to say about, uh, the difference? Uh, you know, granted we're kind of leaning a little bit more towards a perimenopause just because that's kind of what's, uh, and I, and honestly, like you said in the beginning, I don't think there really is a distinction, which one's worse. Uh, cause I think that the woman experiencing either one at the time would say that one's worse, right? Because that is, uh, the most, uh, you know, kind of present thing she's dealing with, uh, 
but you know, my preference or my uh, my opinion is that the perimenopause seems like it could be a, at least a little bit more challenging, both for the patient and for the practitioner, um, as far as dealing with some of the symptoms. Yeah, no, exactly. I I do think, you know, both can have their you know their pros and their cons because once you're in menopause, you don't have to worry about getting pregnant. And hey, you know what? Nobody really wants to have a period or you know for the rest of their life. Although there are a handful of women that do, and we have that hormonal balance for them too. But I would say, you know, menopause is not, cannot, you know, there's lots of tools to make it a very easy transition, a beautiful time, and then just kind of moving forward. But at the same time, I think with perimenopause, it's a little bit of a mind game because people are telling you you're fine. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're healthy. You're healthy. But I don't feel like it. So it's a little bit of this weird dichotomy that I think a female goes through of, I'm fine. They say I'm fine, but I don't feel fine. Where in menopause, you know, they'll say, well, you're in menopause, you know, go, go deal with it. You know, I think it's just kind of a different mindset. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's uh, from a conventional perspective. And that, that was kind of my point in the beginning is that the, the perimenopause part now, granted, there's a little bit more awareness and women are certainly more uh, familiar with the term. Doctors are becoming more familiar with the term. Uh, but still, there's a little bit of a uh, a lack of awareness and, you know, and as I said, a lack of treatment options too, uh, for women to, you know, to help women deal with some of the things so they can just get back to their lives and do the things that they have to do. They don't have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be so complicated or doesn't, they don't have to be so, uh, operating on such a deficit from what their, what their bodies are used to, what they're experiencing usually with their bodies. I agree. So, so even though that was one patient, because we got to talking about this, that you had the other, you know, yesterday and saying, you know, which is worse. And we start talking about it and we thought, you know what, I think sometimes we, we, we deal with so many hormonal issues with our patients because that's pretty much, you know, our niche and what we do that we forget to kind of step back and say, you know, that's, you know, instead of saying, oh, what's your FSH and, you know, what's your periods like and what are these symptoms and what are the treatment we're going to do is step back and, you know, and kind of think about some of those questions that do come up because it's true. People are wondering if this is bad, is it going to get worse? Or- yeah, right. That's <laughs> kind of what her question was like, you know, uh, I, I feel horrible right now, uh, you know, and like that uh, comment we got on the website, you know, this is hell, uh, you know, why is this so awful? Um, is menopause even worse than that? You know, and I wouldn't say that it's actually worse. I'd just say that it's maybe different. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, and I keep going back to it, but treatment options, there's quite a bit more treatment options in the menopausal side. Women's having hot flashes. That's a pretty easy problem to solve. Uh, you know, sleeping on both sides, perimenopause, whatever, that might be a little more challenging. Um, you know, but in perimenopause, when a woman's still menstruating regularly, it, you know, from a hormone replacement perspective, it minimizes the potential possibilities of what you can actually do. You know, and just giving women testosterone, which I know is another common thing to do. That's, you know, sometimes uh, the worst thing that a woman can do. That's not really going to help her is just giving her a bunch of testosterone. Everyone's different. You know, it all needs to be a a little bit of what are their particular symptoms? What are their goals or their family history? What's their personal history? What, you know, how are, you know, what is their health history even right now in terms of moving forward? What's their hormonal balance moving forward? But there, but like you said, conventionally, I would say there's more options for, for menopause, you know, yes, conventionally. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean, but conventionally. what we yeah. do, my, my goodness, I, I would say when I first started out in practice in 2004, which I was very green, very, very young, um, but I, uh, you know, I had a lot, I probably dealt more with them. Um, with menopause, that was kind of like the, because that was more known about, that was what kind of what, what would walk through my door. And then now I would say I probably deal 
more with um, probably probably perimenopause, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. even myself. Yeah, yeah. I would say I went through the same transition. It was more, uh, menopause is more front and center. That was uh, what got all the attention. Uh, and now it has definitely shifted, uh, you know, a about a decade and a half almost earlier, 10 to 15 years earlier from the, the typical menopausal patient for sure. And but I think those patients, we will soon, I, I said, I, you know, in a few years, we're going to go through menopause. So let's, let's create a nice foundation now moving forward. So I maybe, you know, everybody's practice is different. Yeah, right, right. Well, and that also probably for the ones that, you know, we're already dealing with that are already in perimenopause, then it's, it smooths their transition a little bit. Uh, They're not having to start from scratch. You know, there's already some things in place that, you know, make, make it a lot easier for them. So, uh, you know, I don't think we need to need uh, necessarily beat a dead horse about this, but it was just a, a, a question that came up just a couple of days ago. I'm like, you know what, that is actually a really good uh, a really good uh, podcast episode, which one's worse. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, conclusion is I wouldn't say that there is definitely, there isn't necessarily one worse than the other. They're just, they're both, they're both really challenging for women to deal yeah, with. And they're not bad. I mean, everybody's, you know, body is, you know, we're not statues. We have different stages in life as we're, you know, from birth until, you know, we're no longer on this planet. So, you know, we're always changing. So I wouldn't say they're bad. It's just, okay, well, what can we do to make the circumstances, you know, smooth and easy and make this a good time? Yeah, sure. Right. Uh, so if you have any questions, uh, you can always reach out to us at help at progressionhealth.com. Uh, that's uh, an easy way for, for you. If you want to stay anonymous, you can just ask us questions. When we do uh, actually read listener questions on the podcast, we of course always change everybody's name just to, you know, just to keep that a little bit of anonymity there. So you can ask your question and in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, with some with some discretion. Uh, now, granted, this is obviously a podcast kind of designed for women, so you know we get all these different types of questions, and you know, we welcome them. Uh, so, again, help at progressionhealth.com. Uh, Dr. Davidson, do you have anything else to add, or can we uh, call well, this one a wrap? Like you said, this podcast is for women, but to be honest, like you were talking about the the husband's guide to perimenopause, yeah, I yeah. think it could be for everybody. So we need to do something for the fellas or the partners. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if, uh, you know, well, maybe they would. Maybe if we, you know, if just with the right title, maybe, a, you know, a, a, a husband or a boyfriend or something would actually <laughs> listen to it. It's like, you know, please help. What's going on? Uh, well, you know. I just want to be supportive and helpful. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I don't necessarily feel sorry for the men necessarily. I mean, you know, but at the same time, I hear it from, you know, patients and, you know, their husbands will kind of blame it on their hormones all the time. And I don't think that's necessarily fair either. Mm-hmm. They get to use that as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and believe me, I'm, you know, just a dumb man. So I know that you know, we we can drive our, uh, our better counterparts crazy sometimes. Uh, and I'm certainly not... Uh, uh, I'm certainly guilty of that myself. So, uh, you know, I think men are just a little bit ignorant and they just don't understand sometimes the complexities of these uh, hormonal issues and they don't understand why things are happening. Uh, so, you know, Hey, if men listen, great. You know, that's not really who we're, you know, who we're targeting. Uh, and I don't think we're going to shift that much because I think it would be, you know, a lots of crickets on the other <laughs> end, but, um, still nonetheless, uh, it's good to get the information out there and hopefully this was helpful for everyone. We're going to do a few more, you know, kind of perimenopausal specific ones over the next uh, few episodes. So if you do have your questions, uh, please send them in. Uh, Until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey. I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at ProgressYourHealth.com.